Amen. Our reading from God's Holy Word comes from Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 11, continuing to verse 16. Please give attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Father, we would ask now that you would come through the power of the Holy Spirit and meet with us as we attend to this word from your prophet, Ezekiel. We would ask, Lord, that we would know its truth, both in the moment in which it was spoken to the ears of the listening people of Israel, but also, Lord, what it means redemptively and historically for us as people thousands of years now removed from this text what it speaks to us powerfully and assuredly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you come now and prepare our hearts as we, the sheep of your pasture, listen to the voice of you, our good shepherd. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my time is short this morning because our service is a few more elements to it than normal. So I'm going to jump right in. Because this word from Ezekiel, which may have a bit surprised you that we would start in Ezekiel. You're thinking to yourself, when was the last time I was in Ezekiel? I had been reading in uh, Ezekiel. But this particular vision that's given to us in Ezekiel about what it means for God to be our shepherd is really what I want us to focus on in the few minutes we have together in the text today. And it really is one point that I want you to derive from this text. And the point that I want you to derive is in the context, in light of the fact that we are ordaining and installing new shepherd leaders. That's a phrase that we use regularly here at Cornerstone to describe the work of elders and deacons. They are shepherd leaders, and we derive that from the Bible, as you'll see this morning as we look at the text together. But I want you to know as these men are ordained and installed into the work of shepherd leadership here at Cornerstone, I don't want you, the congregation, to think that um, these men are the, um, are the focal point of the leadership of Cornerstone. 
I don't want you to think that your elders or your deacons are the focal point of uh, the leadership here at Cornerstone. I don't want you to think that your pastors are the focal point of the leadership here at Cornerstone. I want you to know that there is only one head and chief shepherd of the flock here at Cornerstone. His name is Jesus Christ. And Ezekiel was actually telling us that one point. And I think it's important as we look at that one point that who is the true shepherd of the flock of God? Who is the true shepherd of the church of Jesus Christ? Well, it is indeed Jesus Christ himself. And believe it or not, in this buried passage, latter half of the book of Ezekiel, we're seeing a glorious glimpse of the character and the perfections of our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Now, I want you to go back in your mind for just a minute. I want you to try to remember the very first shepherd mentioned in all of the Bible. I want you to just go back in the, the recesses, the, the filing folders, that cabinet, pull it out in your mind, the Old Testament, and think who was the very first shepherd in the Bible. Do you have him? you know him? Get his name on your lips? Well, maybe, maybe not. But his name is Abel. He's right there in Genesis chapter 4. He's described as a keeper of flocks. He's described as a man of the field. And he's very important in the Bible because he's the very first man who were ever told that God is pleased with the sacrifice. He's the very first man that we're told in the scriptures that God is pleased with the sacrifice. And guess what? He was a shepherd. Well, not only do we see Abel, of course, as a shepherd, but throughout the Bible we see shepherds arise. In fact, the greatest leaders of the people of Israel were always first shepherds. Let's, let's pan forward to Moses for a minute. He there, after he escapes from Egypt, after killing that Egyptian servant, as his anger took over him as he saw one of his Hebrew countrymen uh, being ill-treated by their master there in Egypt, he had to flee. And you'll remember on the side of a mountain, a mountain by the name of Horeb, which is another name for the mountain of Sinai, by the way. He's on the side of Mount Sinai, and it's there where he's keeping flocks and he sees this bush burning and he finds himself on holy ground and God speaks to shepherd Moses and says I'm going to make you even a better shepherd than the shepherd of physical sheep I'm going to make you a shepherd of my people and you're going to lead my people out of bondage into the freedom of the fulfillment of my covenant promises Moses was a shepherd of flocks before he was ever a shepherd and leader among the people of Israel. But of course, we can pan forward to the greatest king in all of Israel's history, King David. And we remember, don't we, that this man began as a shepherd. You remember when Jesse shows up, or when Samuel shows up to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, and he goes through all of his sons, and none of them are the chosen sons to lead the people of Israel as the next king. And Jesse is asked by Samuel, are there any more sons that you have? And he goes, well, yeah, there's like this one, the runt of the litter, but behold, he is out in the field keeping sheep. And we as Bible readers know, well, he's definitely the one because it's always the shepherds that are called into leadership. And of course, David becomes the greatest king in all of Israel. Now, if you can see it, Abel, the first shepherd whom God was pleased with his sacrifice, 
Uh, Moses, the second shepherd who leads people out of bondage into redemption. And David, the greatest shepherd among the people of Israel, is the king who truly executes peace and justice for his people. Do you see a glimpse here of someone? All of these shepherds in the Old Testament are pointing, of course, to John chapter 10, where the Lord Jesus Christ describes himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In Luke 15, he describes himself as the shepherd who runs after the one while the 99 are kept in the pen. He runs after the one who is lost and he brings him in. Jesus sees himself as the fulfillment of all of the shepherds of the Old Testament. He is the true good shepherd and chief shepherd of his people. And boy, did the people of Israel need to know that during the days of Ezekiel. Because when Ezekiel is writing this passage, they are in the dark and tumultuous days of the divided kingdom. David is long gone. In fact, he's almost 400 years removed from the moment that Ezekiel was writing. Uh, the northern and southern kingdom of Israel is a, is a wreck. Judah's now on its 18th king, Jehoiakim, in the late 590s B.C. He has just died and his son Jeconiah has come to the throne, but he's going to be on the throne for about three months because the great ruler of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to come knocking on the door of Jerusalem. We might say he's going to come knocking down the door of Jerusalem. And he's going to take Jeconiah and the first deportation of the people of Israel. He's going to take them all the way to Babylon and they're going to end up in exile. And at the opening of this chapter, which we're not reading, the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34, is a scathing indictment given by the prophet Ezekiel of how bad the shepherds were during the days of Ezekiel. That they were... Shepherds who exploited the people rather than cared for the people. Out of selfishness and greed, they fleeced the flock and fattened themselves. You catch a glimpse of that there in verse 16. I will destroy the fat and I will bring judgment upon them. He's, he's proclaiming that these shepherds will be removed. They neglected the weak and the defenseless. Instead of running after the one that was lost and the one that was vulnerable, they fed them to the wolves. They could care less about them. They catered to the upwardly mobile and only those whom they could get much from. They left the flock vulnerable to attack, he says, which left the gate or the pen of the sheep open so that Nebuchadnezzar could walk right in and lead the sheep out of their promised land into exile. And now God is saying in verse 11, I'm done with the shepherds of Israel. I will shepherd my people. I will be the shepherd of my people. I'm going to run after the lost. I'm going to gather up the brokenhearted. I'm going to heal the injured. I'm going to protect them from their enemies. I am the one who will be their shepherd. I will be the one who brings them home. Now, what's interesting about this passage is that if we didn't, we didn't read it, but if you look on down, in fact, if you have your Bibles open, you can glance on down to verse 23 in the text. Here's what's very interesting. He says how he's going to be the shepherd of his people, because you kind of wonder, okay, he's up in heaven, we're on earth. How is he going to shepherd his people? Well, he says he's going to raise up David. 
to be the one shepherd of his people. Now, if you're thinking about David for just a second, we're 400 years removed from David. Is he really going to bring David back from the grave? Is that what Ezekiel is indicating? I'm going to bring David, the great shepherd of the people of Israel, back from the grave, and he's going to lead the people of Israel again. No, that's not what he means at all. In fact, if we look back over King David's life, as good of a shepherd as he was, we might also recognize that some of the indictments that are given here in Ezekiel 34 could be applied to David. Quite honest, he was standing on the balcony of his palace and he looked out at one of his sheep and he decided to use her rather than care for her. And then he orchestrated the death of his of that woman's husband, Uriah, which meant that he didn't protect the sheep, but he left them exposed and defenseless. In fact, we could look at that narrative in David's life and realize as good of a shepherd as he was, he actually falls under the same indictments of the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34. He fell short of the calling which the Lord had given to him. Nathan the prophet said it. Do you remember it? When Nathan confronts him, get this, a year after all of these things have happened, so much for quick repentance, a year after all these things have happened, Nathan comes to him and rebukes him and he tells him a story. Do you remember the story he tells him? He says, there was this really rich man in the kingdom of Israel and he took a sheep from a really poor man. He told him a shepherd's story. And David got really angry. That a rich man would take a sheep from a poor man. And then Nathan, as soon as David got on his high horse, said, You're that man. He told him a shepherd's story. And was in a sense saying, You're not too unlike what Ezekiel was saying here. You've not cared for the flock of God. The way the flock of God needs to be cared for. You've used them and exploited them. You've abused them and mistreated them. You must repent. And of course he does. We read it in Psalm 51. But it speaks to the fact of the matter. We've not yet received the David that Ezekiel tells us here we need to receive. But of course that is not who it is that we are looking for, is it? We're looking for David's greater son. We're looking for King Jesus. We're looking for this good shepherd, this shepherd of the sheep who is the chief shepherd of all. We're looking for him who will come, who has the best interests of the sheep in view, who always has what they need in view and is willing to be spent for the purposes of making them well and cared for. Because Jesus tells us in John 6, 35, he will feed the sheep because he is the bread of life. He will give the sheep water to drink because he in John 4 is the living water. He will protect the sheep from wild animals. Yea, he will protect them from the worst possible threat of their soul, the condemnation of sin and death. Because in John 10 he says, he's the kind of shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. Oh, how much greater David's son is than David. Think of it. David killed in order to protect himself. Jesus lays down his life in order to protect you. It's the exact opposite. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd, which is why he, we here at Cornerstone like to remind ourselves that shepherds are only as good as they are leaders 
leading God's people to the chief shepherd. That's, we're only as good as we are faithfully leading God's people to the chief shepherd. That's the role of shepherds. They are not to be leading God's people unto themselves. Leading God's people to themselves as if they have the answers, as if they've got what it takes to be able to fix problems and accomplish purposes and advance the kingdom. No. We are at the mercy of God's grace. We need His Holy Spirit. We are looking to the chief shepherd in submission to Him and in need for Him. And we are leading God's people to the good shepherd because he is the only one who can truly care for them. Listen, these men who are coming today for ordination and installation, who are serving in the body of Christ, I can assure you these men are going to fall short. I know they hadn't even started. And I don't mean to be doom and gloom. But I want you to have a realistic perspective. All of these men are just nothing more than Moses's or David's at best. They're not the chief shepherd. Don't be surprised if they let you down. Don't be surprised if I let you down. Because under shepherds, get this, are sheep first. That's what they are. They're sheep first. Don't ever forget that. They're sheep first. We need as much leading as anybody. So be patient with us. Lead us, help us, ask questions, pray for us, serve the Lord alongside us. Let's together look to the chief shepherd. Oh, Father, lead us to Jesus. Help us to see him. And if you see along the pathway of service a little glimmer of something good, just know that's Jesus working in them. That's not even from them. So give credit where credit's due. That's God in Ezekiel 34 shepherding his people. Get this, through his people. He shepherds his people through his people. He raises up and designates and gives authority to those who will be shepherds in the body of Christ in order to help God's people find the true shepherd. Listen, a good shepherd knows the pathway to the real good shepherd. And he takes his people there all the time. Because he knows that's the only place that they'll find true bread, true water. That's the only place that they'll find real and true help. You know, at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 7, we're told that the story of the Bible actually ends with the story of a shepherd. In Revelation chapter 7, we're told that the Lamb of God, now get that, the Lamb of God is going to call and He is going to shepherd His people. Well, now there's a mix of metaphors. The Lamb of God is going to shepherd. And of course, isn't that the collapse of what we see happen in the Lord Jesus Christ? That Jesus Himself became a man. He became the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist would say, who would take away the sin of the world. But by becoming the Lamb that we needed, He also became the shepherd that we needed. He was raised to the life of royalty, to the life of power and authority, so much so to the end of the book of Matthew. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Don't forget this. 
He's with you, not in his person. His person right now, his physical body, the Lord Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The dust of earth sits on the throne of heaven. But he's with you right now. You know how he's with you? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know another way in which he's with you? In the lives of your shepherds. Now, here's what's fascinating. When you see them with flashes of brilliance, and it'll be flashes, give praise to God. Give praise to God for the shepherds that he's provided. When you see them fall short, give praise to God because they have a chief shepherd that they're looking to, that they need. And when they fall short, you know what it teaches you? You know what it teaches me? That we're all sheep in need of the chief shepherd. This is the spirit of leadership. A spirit of leadership that serves from a place of humility, but a place of confidence. That God is pleased to use broken servants as a means by which to accomplish his purposes. As we ordain and install these men together today for the work of ministry, don't stop praying for them. Pray that the display of the character of Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16 would become the character of these men. That they would seek after those who are straying. They would be patient with those who are weak. They would help grow those who are strengthened. That they would lay down their life for the sheep and would in no way use the position in which they've been placed in to exploit either the sheep fleecing them in any way, but would only make much of the chief shepherd. As we seek that together and we look to Jesus to do that work in our midst, let's pray that he will use the vision of Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. I will shepherd my people. He'll use that vision as a means by which to show himself through our shepherds. Let's pray to that end right now. Father in heaven, come and meet with us in the midst of this ordination and installation. Come and show us your grace, especially to these men, as they are set apart for the work of ministry. I pray even right now for the future grace that will be displayed through the fruitfulness of their labors, the lives that will be touched by the words that they speak, by the things that their hands do, by the places that their feet go. I pray that you would carve out ears among the congregation to listen to their shepherds as unto the Lord. And that as they listen to their shepherds, they would hear the voice of Jesus himself. And they would know that God is with us and he's taking care of us. He's given gifts, even as we read in Ephesians 4, of apostles and pastors, and teachers, and shepherds. Lord, today, let that spirit fall upon these men. And let this congregation be one in you under the voice of the shepherd. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.